0: Right now, let's uh, just have a mini catch-up on where we've been. Uh, for those of you that I haven't met, by the way, I'm Mark. I, um, I'm on the team here. That's probably the best way of saying that. Um, uh, we're on this little series at the moment on communities and what it means for us to be a worshipping community here at All Saints and part of the city and part of the worshipping community across the nation. And um, we started on the first week by talking about this little irritation uh, that a number of us have come up against about this idea of services and how that is a really unhelpful way of talking about what we do for this hour and a bit on a Sunday because it's kind of, it's filled with duty and some kind of onerous task and guilt Uh, and actually doesn't say who we are. And then uh, we talked about being a community of Christ um, and how we're focused on Christ Jesus rather than just on this hour on a Sunday. And Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, that core bit in our, our church vision about following the way of Jesus. And then last week, we talked about being communities of faith and how we should expect God to do amazing things, extraordinary things, as we follow his way, as we follow the way of Jesus. And we've outlined um, that there are these five communities at All Saints, uh, four that meet on a Sunday, and we hope that SALT will become a regular feature every single week, not just once a month, because we love what's happening there, and we love the fact that it's uh, part of the All Saints family, but we want it to be every single week. Uh, and of course, there's the little crowd that gather on a Tuesday as well. If ever you haven't got anything to do on a Tuesday, they are legends. Go along and hang out with the with that with that crowd. They drink coffee afterwards and have great biscuits. Just you know, just saying. Um, and, and tonight, um, I thought we'd talk about Victoria Sponges uh, and the Wright Brothers. I hope that's okay. Um, you see, the thing is this, and again, apologies to those that have uh, been at three talks today already, because I'm doing the same thing uh, all across all of the Sundays for September. It uh, just helps us to catch up to speed. Uh, Victoria sponges. If the problem was that you needed to know how to make a Victoria sponge cake, and that wasn't your thing, what you'd do is you'd put into the fountain of all knowledge, uh, Google, uh, how do I make a Vic? And by the time you'd put in Vic, it would have completed Victoria's sponge cake for you. And then you'd end up on, you know, goodrecipes.com or the BBC recipe website. You might get a good Delia recipe or something like that. Um, and, and then you'd go and buy the ingredients and, and everything would go completely smoothly. And lo, you would have delicious cake. Some of I clearly don't bake, do I? <laughs> clearly, clearly this is not happening. Um, however, if the problem that you were trying to solve was not how do I make a Victoria sponge cake, but how do I celebrate my friend's birthday, my sister's birthday, my husband wife's birthday, then Victoria's Sponge might not even be part of it. You might Go for lamb shanks, or you know, or a night at a decent club, or or a hotel, or 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 a carefully chosen gift, or or something else. You see, it depends what the problem is that you're trying to solve. Depends on the set of answers that you get. The Wright brothers were really good at learning how to fly. Actually, not because they were good at flying. To be honest, at that stage, no one was really any good at flying. That's why they were trying to learn. They were good at it because they were not doing what everyone else was doing. Everyone else was trying to fly. They were trying to learn how to crash really well. What they did was empirically different from everyone else because they built their aircraft so that it would be repairable really quickly so they could learn from their mistakes and their learning cycle about how long it took them to learn how to fly was shorter than everyone else's because they learned quicker. You see, they had a different mindset. They were solving a different problem. And so as we come to today, and this is a, this is a uniquely Church of England talk. Okay? Because, and you'll see why with this next picture, the Church of England has got a services problem. And I say this as someone who is in the Church of England, who has, has spent, frankly has spent all my life within the Church of England, other than about, uh, two or three years when I really tried hard to escape and then I was told to go back. And when when the boss, the Holy Spirit, tells you to go back, well, that's what you do. Um, So this is unique to the Church of England, but actually it's not just a Church of England problem. But I want to highlight it this evening because I kind of want us to stare at it because some of this stuff, even if we're not... Aware of it like in our face. It's here because this is the place that we happen to worship. So what's What's the services problem? Well, you see, the services problem for the Church of England is that the Church of England is claiming to be the church for everyone. You know, we have got a place of worship, a community of worship everywhere across England. It's amazing. It's just the problem with some of them is they haven't got any people in them. I'm not saying that lightly. In the Diocese of Bath and Wells, there are 40 churches with less than five people worshipping at them. That's a massive amount of physical resource in terms of buildings that is weighing the Church of England down and slowing us down. And there's no plan to resolve that. You see, we, we hope... That by putting things on, that people will come. And the old model, who knows how old it is, um, is that you know you put on a service everywhere, and everyone will come. The problem is they don't, because culture shifted, and it shifted hugely in the last twenty years, the last forty, and massively over the last hundred years. We're working with an old model and the old model says that church equals a building a priest and a salary and you know that the clever people have been writing about this stuff for a long time and saying that's the wrong model uh, and yet somehow church of england that's what we still do it's not exclusively a church of england problem you know by the way because where the Church of England, in, this, in its slightly more traditional format than, than this, um, has a priest at the front, you know, kind of dressed in the stuff, and they are effectively the gatekeeper for communion, and effectively the gatekeeper for the presence of God in communion. It's not that that doesn't happen in other denominations, or even non-denominations, uh, it won't be long, um, it's just that it's dressed up differently, Literally. And the person at the front is the gatekeeper for the Holy Spirit or the gatekeeper for the Word of God. And whenever we've got people that have been put into that role, there's a problem. Uh, At the end of this, I'm going to get one or two of you up on your feet and get you to do an exercise. So be ready to be picked on. Um, But first of all, um, there there are some positive things going on, lots of positive things within the C of E. And um, one of those is this move this uh move called Renewal and Reform uh introduced by Justin Welby and that team. Uh all about simplifying like crazy old processes that are just clanky within the C of E so that stuff works better. Unfortunately, they're so complicated that it takes time to make them uncomplicated, and getting cash and people into the right places, doing the right kind of roles. So there's, there's, you know, there's all sorts of church planting and faith initiatives and gospel sharing initiatives and discipleship initiatives that are really good within the CV, and there's lots to celebrate. But, but if we unconsciously just reproduce an old model, uh, and I say unconsciously because I think a lot of it is old models, then, then what we have become is, is just the curators of a Jane Austen church model, which is just not reality and doesn't work. You know, we, um, we're, we're wanting to do something with the buildings here. This is a complete shameless plug, by the way. And um, we do happen to worship in this Old building. If you're near a pillar, just kind of reach out and give it a thump or a stroke or something. Be kind to it. It's been here for longer than we have. Um but we wanna, you know, we want to invest some money in refurbishing it and getting it fit for purpose so that you don't have to sit in these uncomfortable pews and there's level access and all that kind of stuff. We want to make this the best place that we can. Not because this is church. This is not church, this is just a building. We are the church. A community of Christ Jesus, living and breathing. And by the way, the planning application has gone in. If you haven't filled in the planning thing online yet, okay, it closes, I think, at the end of this week, Wednesday. Someone's whispering at me. Wednesday, uh, please fill it in online. I looked this morning. There were 68 responses. Uh, 12 of those were objections. If you need to object, please object. But I'd also love you to support it if you can. That'd be great. And, and it wouldn't it be fantastic if we could get to 100 people who had, who had made some kind of feedback on it and that most of those were positive? That would be fantastic. So if you think that's a good idea, could you say Amen. Amen? Fantastic. So, what you need to do now is now go online and fill it in. Uh, Or do it at the back. There's paperwork if you're kind of computer phobic. Um, If the problem that we're trying to solve is that what we unconsciously want to do is have a service on a Sunday so that the community will miraculously just arrive and show up because everyone believes what we believe. We're trying to solve the wrong problem. If we want to be... With the kind of historic Church of England model. A church for everyone. Providing services everywhere. And never closing a church. The Church of England will crash. And it will be game over. Because we're trying to solve the wrong problem. But I think what Jesus has asked us to do is something very different. He's asked us to make disciples. He's asked us to reach out and make disciples. Let me just give you a couple of numbers just to highlight the problem. Um, I'm trying to get these uh, figures back as far as 1920. The reason for going back that far is that... uh, uh, I think we, we, don't, we, don't, we haven't grasped how big a mind shift we need to do. Uh, I've only managed to get it back as far as 1981. I've got some numbers for 1973, but they get a bit sketchy. Beyond that, they're locked up in Lambeth Palace somewhere. And uh, Tally is going to try and extract them for me. Um, here, here, here's the numbers. So in 1981, there was one full-time priest within the CV in England... To 4,300 members of population. Okay, that's with a population of uh, ju- of almost 46 million people. In 2018, the ratio had gone through the roof. Clergy numbers, full-time clergy numbers, had dropped, and of course the population had gone up. Population's up to 53 million, and we're on about one. Uh, we're on about one full-time member of clergy to 7,200 or 7,300 per population. If you grow that forward to 2031, you get to one member of clergy to 8,500 approximately. Who knows what it'll be. You know, if, if the model is that this bloke at the front is going to attend all of the village fates. And be the local vicar superhero, okay, and do all the work of evangelism for all of us, all right? That, that ain't gonna happen. Because this is not Jane Austen time anymore. It's, it's not like there's 2,000 or 4,000 people to look after. It's changed, it's changed dramatically. And so we need to do it differently. I'm not having a go at any of us, I'm saying we need to think differently and, and dig around for, for whatever the kind of the nugget is in our head about how we do it that's wonky. Let me let's look together at the at this Bible passage, um, and it's from Acts chapter four, and it is verses twenty three onwards. Let me read it for you. It's called the Believers' Prayer. Acts chapter four, verse twenty three. Uh, and it goes like this. Peter and John have just been uh, doing their stuff uh, after this guy had been healed. That was last week. And um, they get in big trouble for it. And they basically get told, look, don't go and you've got to stop using this name. Stop preaching like this. And this is how it goes. On their release, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all that the chief priests and the elders had said to them. When they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. Sovereign Lord, they say, "You," they said, you have made hev- the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. You spoke by your Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father David. Why do the nations rage and the people's plot in vain? The king of, kings of the earth rise up and the rulers band together against the Lord, against his anointed one. Anointed one. Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in this city to conspire against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed. I love the fact that they're telling God what has happened. We'll come to that in a moment. now, uh, they, they, they did what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant. After they prayed, the place where they, was mi- they were meeting was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And, hang on, I've come off the page too early. And they all spoke the word of the Lord. It's gone. Um couple of things, about 10 actually. I'll go through them quickly. Um, the first one is verse 23. They went back to their own people. This trouble had occurred and they are already, even though the church is is just baby, stumbling, a little toddler of a church, they went back to their own people. They are already identifying a community, a family as their own. Who are you choosing to be identified with? Who are you choosing to be identified? Is this your family? Look around. Go on. No, that means you need to turn your head. Come on. You know, this this if you're choosing to be identified with your family, these are your these are your own people. They come back and they make their report. They say that these are the things that, are, that have gone on. And together they raise their voices and they do this thing where they remind God of who God is. You know, if, you, if you're ever stuck on what to pray, a fantastic prayer to pray is, Father God, you are good. Father God, you are good. That's like five words or six or something, I can't count. It's, it's a great prayer. Why? Because it gets your eyes off you and onto him. He's good and he loves you. Reminding themselves of the character of God. An acknowledgement that what is going on is part of what they're told in Scripture would happen. They recount the story of Jesus. How good it is just to remember the truth of what Jesus has done. Just to declare that. You can do it in your own life. We can do it as a church family. And then verse 29, this is the bit that I love. I mean, I love all of it, but I especially love this bit. They say to the Lord, consider their threats. They say, here is this problem. You have it. Catch. (laughs) Consider their threat. Consider this problem. Have you ever tried praying like that with something that you're wrestling with? You know? Rather than, oh Lord, come and help me over here. Woe is me, I'm so exhausted with carrying this burden. Yeah? Lord, here it is. You carry it for a bit. And if there's something you want me to carry, let me know. Consider their threats. How often do we land on just carrying things without actually bringing it before him? It's not that we shouldn't ever do anything and take action. But we should always bring it before God. And they invite God to come and move and to stretch out his hand and to come and do more of the stuff that's just got him into trouble. You know, all that stuff that got us into trouble? Let's have more of that, please, Lord. That's a courageous prayer, isn't it? And then the Holy Spirit shakes the place and they are filled All of them are filled with the Holy Spirit. It's not Peter and John. I mean, they are, but it's all of them. And they all speak the word of God boldly. I think that we have to be really sharply focused on discipleship. You know, it's interesting that the first few chapters of Acts don't talk about priests. They don't talk about the Church of England. They don't talk about dog collars. They don't talk about uh, safes in the vestry. They don't talk about silver chalices. They don't talk about any of that stuff. What Acts talks about is the spontaneous growth of the church that comes about through a clear gospel message, through continuous faithful discipleship, and the empowerment of the Holy Spirit doing the work of the Lord. I don't know what your base is. Maybe, maybe you kind of side on oh, we've just got to love people. And, and Wes is going to be talking about this a bit, a bit later on in the term. Oh, yeah, you know, we just on to, to love people. You know, there is, this, there is this thing that we're supposed to do, as well as loving people. You know, Jesus says, love God, love your neighbor as yourself. But we're supposed to make disciples and make disciples who obey everything that Jesus has commanded and to be witnesses in the power of the Holy Spirit. I wonder how you're doing with that. I, I challenged the 11 o'clockers this morning and I said, you know, uh, how, how are you doing? Have you, have you had a conversation with someone recently? If not, why don't you try this, Okay. That you, you maybe you're walking home with someone from the station, or on the way to uni, or whatever it might be, or on the way to school, and um, this is a great question to ask them. Okay, you're chatting away and all that stuff. Just ask them, "How was your weekend?" It's a brilliant question. Honestly, you can write it down. I don't know, it won't cost you anything. How was your weekend? Why? Because then what you have to do is you have to listen to them where they tell you all about their amazing weekend and they went to the football and they did all this other stuff. And then if they have got any sense of English sensibility left in them whatsoever, they will do you the honor and say, oh, how was your weekend? And you can go, aha, let me tell you. Uh, And you can tell them that you came here and we worshiped. Or you can tell them that you ate a meal with some of your Christian friends or your family that you choose to identify as your own people. You know, it's a much, much gentler way in than, you know, walking against the train with someone and you just going, oh, you know, I just have to tell you about Jesus. You know, actually, that might be the right answer for some people. That might be just what you need to do. But follow what the Holy Spirit tells you to do and... Um, probably most of us will side on the How Was The Weekend one, but if it's the, I've just got to tell you about Jesus right now, then go for it, all right? I mean, if you don't see him again, it'll be all right. Here's the thing. This little, this photo was taken um, uh, two Sundays ago, I think. How can we help people to gaze at the King of Kings? You know, I, I, I spoke to uh, Chrissy, the mum. I said, oh, she said, I just, I'm sure she won't mind me saying. You can wave at me if you're here tonight. I don't think she is. She can tell me off afterwards. Um, she said, I, I spent spend all my life running around church kind of trying to, you know, catch him. <gasps> and I realize now you've shown the photo that he's leading me into the presence of God. <laughs> I was like, because he knows where to stand. <sighs> Worship. I'm following. Come on. Teach me. Here's the thing. Justin Welby says this. He says this when he was, I mean, it seems like good when I'm, you know, unpacking some things that are difficult within the Church of England to quote the boss or, or the second boss, you know, because God's the boss. Um, he said this when he was uh, in one of his first lectures after he became the Archbishop of Canterbury. First, the church exists to worship God in Jesus Christ. Second, the church exists to make new disciples in Jesus Christ. Everything else is decoration. Some of it may be necessary, useful, wonderful decoration, but it's decoration. Folks, what we want to do in this place, what I want to see when I look back in 5, 10, 20 years or whatever it might be, is not that we put on services really well. Is not that we got ourselves super organized, but there are little lights and fires all over the place. And the wind of God's Holy Spirit has blown all through Western and Bath, not just in this church, but in every single church, because we are part of his kingdom, which is not contained by a denomination. And we want to see that fire everywhere. These little dots on the map, by the way, are are where you live. I haven't put your names against them. But you're everywhere. You know, you've got Western covered, and you've got a whole bunch of the rest of Bath covered, and beyond. But I I, want to make it make sense, because you might say to me, Mark, but how are we supposed to do this? And And I'd like to try and explain You see, because one bit of it is us having discipleship conversations, not where we say, you know, hey, i brought you into the kingdom and you've come to faith. Bam, I get a notch on my Bible. Hoorah, I feel good. But where we've engaged someone in a a conversation over time and they grow in faith and come to follow Jesus. You know, it's what happened with Rob. You know, took him two alphas. So many conversations so many conversations I want to see more folks come to faith like that I want to try and illustrate it for you and this um, is it's not it's not mine I someone did this to me when I was at a conference recently you know we need we need, we need communities kind of 50, 100, 200 people gathering together to worship but we also need lots of little home groups and and home groups. Work like this. Um, Wes, will you come up here? Thanks, Wes. Come on. Um, you see, the key thing that I've asked the home group leaders to do is this. And if, if they haven't got this yet, will, I'll, I'm going to keep banging on about it because if if we get nothing else over the bridge, can you just come stand up here, Then then uh, then then this is it. And there's a reason why this is it. And there's a reason why you guys need to catch this. Okay, You see, if I'm, a, if I'm a home group leader, just helping a small group of people, even a couple of people, grow in faith. And my challenge would be, actually, if you haven't got folks around you who you are helping to grow as followers of Jesus, why not? Why don't you sort that out this week? Okay, But if you're a home group leader, then the key task is to have an assistant leader. Someone who you're training up. So me and Wes worked together for a bit, yeah. and yeah, it's good, isn't it? It's amazing. It's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> good. Okay. And and then and then after a little while, you know, there's a few other people that have come to the group. I invite some people. You have invite some people. And uh, then it's kind of it's time for you to start another group. So you start another group. But your key job when you've started your group is that you have to pick an apprentice leader. Someone who's going to work with you. So, can you pick an apprentice leader? Tom, come out here. Come on. Who you picked? Uh, Phil. Phil, great. Uh, so, if you can just check in with Phil that he's happy to be your apprentice leader. Tom, you, are you? I'm not even going to ask you if you're going to be happy to be my apprentice leader. You're being it for tonight. Uh, that's great. And after, well done. Give Tom a round of applause. That's, that's Tom. Uh, home to in the ranking. Um Uh, And, and, and we kind of, we've done the whole kind of, how can you lead a small group? How can you stop that person talking too much when they're in the group? That's me, the vicar, preaching. Uh, And then after we've done this, then what happens is, is you start your own group, okay? Or we split and, you know, one's in the, one's in the lounge and the others meet in the kitchen. And you pick uh, an assistant leader to help you. And Phil, you pick one too. Come on. And Wes, you pick one too, because you're still doing a group, okay? Nigel, come on out. Come on. This is very men heavy at the moment. You need to pick some women. Please? Oh, Hugo. <laughs> Hugo. Come on. Great. Uh, F- Nigel, you're with me. You're here. Great. Fantastic. Yeah, great. Fantastic. Brilliant. And we all, we've got a leader. So we've all got a leader. So we're, we're now up to four groups, okay? Uh, each with a leader and an assistant leader. And they and they and and we we do the same thing again, and we pick another leader, okay? Are you getting this yet? Michael, come out here. Come and be an assistant leader with me. Nigel, you need to pick another leader. Okay, great. Michael's with me. You need to do this quicker, folks. Go and pick another leader. A friend. Phil. Yeah. Yeah, yeah everyone has to go and pick and a friend. And a le- Alice. Great. Alice is coming out to be your assistant leader. Tom, have you picked an assistant leader? You need to do it quickly. Okay. Brilliant. And then, and then everyone. Lawrence. Great. Okay, and after, after about you know after about six weeks, I think six weeks is adequate time to grow a group. By the way, don't be afraid. I think that's good. Um, uh, then what happens is, is we form two more groups, and Michael picks uh, a leader. You could pick Ben if you want, or anyone if you want. And, and we all pick another leader. Come on, this has got to work a bit faster. Okay, come on, uh, Peter, come on out. You're not, you're my next assistant leader. Fantastic, out you come. Uh, Michael, I'm going to help you pick an assistant leader. You're gonna have Peter. You're gonna... Oh, oh, brilliant. Okay. Brilliant. And then, and then it happens again, okay, and you all pick another assistant leader because you've all gone through the training and learned how to lead a Bible study. Fantastic. All of you guys need to pick an assistant leader. Sue, out you come. Come on. Brilliant. Fantastic. Out you come. Paul, you're being, yeah, come on. Brilliant. And then it splits again. Okay, and Sue has to pick an assistant leader. And everybody, quickly pick an assistant leader. Um, on the very back row in the corner with the dungarees, out you come. Come on. It's your time. You're an assistant leader. How you come. Fantastic. All of you need to pick an assistant leader. Go. Grab them. Get an assistant leader. Come on. Fantastic. Andy needs to be picked as well. Andy's at the back. Who hasn't got a leader? Sue. Andy, come out of here and help. Come on. Up you come. Brilliant. Great. Wonderful. So everyone has been picked. Even if they didn't want to come. That's right. Face that way. Look. You see, the church and church leadership is not about me. It's not about me and whatever role I'm in, whether it's a priest or pastor or whatever it might be. It's this. You see, 1 Peter 2 verse 5 says, You also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood. Folks, that's all of you. Each one of us are tasked with this. And you know what? It doesn't matter how old you are. Some of you are feeling like cranky and it's like, no, I just want to retire. No, come on. Now's the time. You've got that wealth of experience. We need you to do this. Some of you are like, I'm too young. No, I can't do this. Come on, Timothy. Go and read about him in the Bible. Because he was like, he was super young and he was leading churches. Come on, you're not too young. We we need to learn from you. Some of you are kind of like middle-aged and thinking life's too busy. Stop it. Okay? Cut the number of kids groups in half that you're taking your kids groups to. Okay? And spend the whole of the rest of the time sharing faith with other people and, and start a coffee morning or something. I don't care what it is. Some of you are like, oh no, but I've just started a uni or school or whatever it may and I, I could. Now is the time. Because do you know what? Everyone around you is absolutely desperate for a friend. And you are in. Okay? So right now, well, we're all standing at the front. The band's going to lead us in a song. I don't know what that is. And by the time they get to the front, they will know what it is. And the, and lo, the words will appear. Okay. But as they as they lead us, I, I just want to pray and I love us. Um, while just at least for this at least for this song, just to stay kind of near the front. Some of you, are, these speakers are louder, by the way. That, at the front than they are at the back just saying so some of you might need to want to move away from but i want want to pray and i want to i want to commission us father god thank you that you are good and that you are faithful I'm going to keep praying. Father God, thank you that you are good and that you are faithful. And Lord, we are here as your people. And we want to do the things that you are calling us to do in this generation. We don't want to wait five years. We don't want to wait until we've got a degree or enough cash in the bank. Until we've sorted out all the problems. Lord, we we ask you to consider The stuff that's difficult. And we say, Lord, come and move. Because we want to join in. And Lord, thank you that you have called and equipped and are equipping by the power of your Holy Spirit. Every single one here. To be kingdom shapers. Like we heard last week, what Peter and John offered that man at the gate called Beautiful. Was what they had the Holy Spirit living in them.